You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. All right, Logan, uh, we got like 15 minutes left in the podcast. Let's go through each and every game from this weekend or preview all of the games upcoming this weekend. Uh, It starts off with Jags and Chiefs. This one's at Arrowhead, obviously the playoff opener for Kansas City. Jags coming off a really incredible win. And, you know, everyone wants to to lay blame at the Chargers and uh, yeah, it uh it you should blame the Chargers for blowing a twenty seven nothing lead, but also you have to give so much credit to Jacksonville for sticking with it. Like if you have five turnovers in the first half and a young quarterback and a new coach, you realize how easy it is to to be like, yeah, all right, we're good, we'll see you all next year. They did, they fought <laughs> back. Uh, and by the way, I saw this yesterday on Instagram. Trevor Lawrence has never lost in his life on a Saturday. Really. Undefeated in college. Uh, the two losses came in championship games that were on Monday nights. Hmm. Uh, and then, or like I think one Thursday night maybe, and then he lost in a championship game on a Monday. And then uh, Sunday, Monday, Thursday in the NFL, he's lost. But on Saturday, he's never lost. It's games at 4.30 on Saturday. <laughs> eh? Eh? Uh, what do you make of this one? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I like I the Jags a lot. I think, you know, in the pregame show, we talked about how much I enjoyed kind of their maturation, specifically Trevor Lawrence's growth over the course of the season. You see a confidence. You see, like I know Lanella is always saying, oh, the prince that was promised. And it's I enjoy that. I enjoy when someone's highly touted and they come and they deliver. And it looked for a while like it wasn't going to be that. But you see the arm talent. You see the mobility. You see an offensive line that, you know, was much maligned this offseason and has grown up a lot. And they're one of the best pass-protecting groups in the NFL. Christian Kirk, that addition, everyone was – poo-pooing that but you see an ability for him to consistently win in one-on-one situations Etienne does an excellent job you see a resurgence of uh the tight end that they've got there who's an outstanding football player yeah and and the way that Peterson has used him to kind of stretch the defense horizontally as opposed to vertically um they're a fun team I think their defense is going to be really really good but they're very young and I just don't think they can hang with Kansas City man I just I, I ultimately that's what I think it comes down to I think they're built to beat a team like Tennessee. They're built to beat a team like Washington, for example. They're kind of big up front. They're nasty. They've got good athletic linebackers, but they're more of a run-centric team. They're probably not going to see a whole lot of that uh, against Kansas City. And I just think Kansas City's too good. It it might be a close game if the offenses can go toe-for-toe, 
But uh, I think that's a big ask of Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, in his second playoff game. I agree. Kansas City is a team I picked at the beginning of the season. I haven't seen any reason to, to come off of that other than the emotional pull towards Buffalo. But Kansas City also has a maturity to them that obviously yeah. the Chargers did not. Um, whether it's on the coaching staff, whether it's the players, like so many of them have won championships or have won a championship. They've, they've been in these games nonstop. This is probably the toughest environment Trevor Lawrence will have ever played in. Um, you know, in college, he certainly had a couple of, of good ones. Like, you know, if you're if you're Clemson playing at South Carolina, like that's no treat. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the era that he was playing South Carolina, uh, let's just say the uh, the players on the field didn't quite match the atmosphere where you get both when you're going to Arrowhead for a playoff game. Like it's going to be nuts. You're coming off this emotional high. They're just sitting waiting. Um, I do think there's a chance obviously for Jacksonville, when you get to this stage, like you're talking about really good football teams, but I do think Kansas city is just better. Chris Jones has been dominant this year, maybe the best player defensively in the NFL on the season. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and when you have like, when you have the potential defensive player of the year and the probable MVP, you should be favored and they are. Yeah. And I think, like you said, I think they're, it will be exciting. I want to see what Trevor Lawrence does, but I I wouldn't, if I was putting money on it, it's Kansas city, right? It's Kansas. Like they're the team that, is the team they're the best team in football right now they're they have one of the best offensive lines their defense is much improved from last year patrick mahomes and the skill position players they've done a really nice job replacing tyree kill if everyone's got their own unique skill set you got marte marquez valdez scandling who's this deep threat you've got uh uh, juju smith schuster underneath kind of working the zones you've got travis kelsey who's might who is literally one of the most dominant offensive football players in the NFL. You've got uh, Kadarius Toney, who's this kind of gadgety player. And then the two running backs are just so, such great complementary pieces to of this offense. So, well, and guess who's back? Who's Edwards back? Al- Edwards Alaire oh, is back. Oh, my goodness gracious. So, yeah, I mean, it just – and not that that's going to make a huge difference for them, but they're just so deep, they're so talented, and they've got – and they have maybe the best play call in the NFL in Andy Reid. And I have a ton of respect for what he does and his vision for that offense. And so um, – I can't wait to watch it because maybe something crazy will happen. It'll be close, but I just think Kansas City, like you said, is is the team. And that crazy uh, another little anecdote. So, in a preseason game, the first preseason game of 2017 or second preseason game, we went when I was in San Francisco to Kansas City, and we had to go on the silent count because it was so dang loud in a preseason game. Can you imagine how absolutely turnt these these guys are going to be for this game? You won't be able to hear a gosh darn thing, and that is a huge factor for offenses. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, this young offense, how much has Lawrence had to do that in his career? <laughs> Just talk about how 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 hard it is to call an offense when you're using the words. Try yeah. doing it when you can't. Uh, try <laughs> try doing it when someone might miss something, and then you're just. You know, you can't even get the snap count right. And he's done a good job for them of checking into the right stuff and checking the right plays. And that becomes really, really less effective uh, in those situations because of the noise. So a lot of things stacked against Jacksonville. I think you can never count them out because they're because Trevor Lawrence is showing that he's maybe a top 10 guy in the NFL. And when you have that guy on your roster, anything is possible. It's just going to be tough sledding for sure. Yeah. Well, they, the other team's got got the top one um, <laughs> with all due respect to everyone else. Yeah. The, Mahomes is still that guy. Um, and he's, by the way, his playoff record is absurd. What he does <laughs> uh, giants and Eagles. So hard to beat a team three times. Uh, that said the last time these two teams played, it's funny because it was the game between the two commanders games for the giants. 
mm-hmm. where obviously the Giants have looked good and everyone's you know kind of starting to sing their praises a little bit. They got smashed in that game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely wrecked. Phillies favored by seven and a half. Uh, they're obviously a lot healthier than they were towards the end of the season when they started to fall off a little bit. Um, Hurts, uh, according to Doug Peterson, or according to uh, Sirianni, is a lot healthier than he was two weeks ago. So how do you see this one playing out uh, with, with Daniel Jones coming off the best game he's ever had, uh, right. regular season or, or postseason, uh, best game he's ever had, two teams that know each other well, but the Eagles were probably the best team in football all year. Yeah, so it's important to remember that Minnesota's defense is, I think, literally the worst defense in the NFL, especially over the last by, eight, yeah. eight weeks. So they have been struggling recently. Uh, their defensive coordinator is probably going to get fired if he hasn't been fired already. Um, a guy that I like, I played for Ed Donatel when I was in Chicago, really nice guy. But again, like this is a results driven thing, not going that great. So, um, you know, probably the move if you're a new offensive coordinator, offensive minded coach. Right. Um, anyway, I, I digress. I, I think that it's important to remember in that second Eagles game with the Giants that the Giants, the game flow switched pretty dramatically off of some mistakes by the Giants. It was like a big punt return. There was an interception or a fumble. Right. And it allowed the Eagles to get out way ahead really early. It was 21 0 in the first quarter. And that is not the type of game flow that um, that the Giants want to play. They want to keep it nasty. They want to keep it close. They want to keep it dirty and they want to stress you out. And I will say the thing to me that's the X factor here is this coaching staff for the Giants. Wink, Martin, uh, Wink Martindale, Mike Kafka, um, the head coach, I forget his name at the moment. Brian Dable. Brian Dable, thank you. Those dudes have been absolutely just wizards this season in terms of coming up with game plans. And if you look at what they did against Minnesota, I would expect something similar here. You're going to see their best punch. Now, do they have the horses to execute it, especially versus a healthy Philadelphia Eagles? Probably not because Philadelphia is maybe the best roster in football, second probably to Kansas City. Um, Very, very talented group. They've they've upgraded all of this run-stepping personnel up front. It's going to be very hard for the Giants to be who they want to be. Um, but I like the coaching staff for the Giants, and I know they're going to come up with something innovative and unique for this Philadelphia defense offensively, and Wink Martindale is going to do something crazy. You know, they were the, the highest blitzing percentage team in the NFL. They play Minnesota. They're under 25%, which is so out of the blue, and it just totally confounded what Minnesota wanted to do. So, again, that to me is the X factor. Can the Giants win? Absolutely. Will they win? I don't think so. I think the Eagles are a very good football team. This is another interesting one with the bye week. How do you right. handle a bye week as a, an inexperienced team? Obviously, you feel great about the Chiefs because they just get buys every time. They know exactly how to handle it. Right. What is what is this kind of relatively inexperienced Eagles team do with a bye week? Do they do they decline? Do they hold form? What is it? Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. Their their form down the the stretch was certainly less than Shaky. ideal. After that that smashing of the Giants, uh, forty eight twenty two wound up being the final, and they've been rolling. They had the thirty five ten over the the Titans, forty to thirty three over the Packers. Uh, but they lost to the Cowboys in that shootout, uh, forty to thirty four. Only scored ten points against the Saints, and then they beat New York twenty two sixteen to round out the season, which is another like really weird thing that's happened now multiple times is you wind up with uh, teams in the playoffs that just played. I mean, last Mm. week, uh, Ravens and Bengals, uh, this happened too as well. And you just wonder um, 
how does that affect the game? The fact that they played each other not that long ago. Um, but the Eagles have consistently been better than New York in their head-to-head matchups this year. I don't expect that to change, but I do expect it to be tough. And I do think that Wink Martindale showing an ability, not just a willingness, but an ability to execute a different game plan is something that is really important because clearly uh, what he's done is not worked in two tries against Philadelphia. Um, it's gotten It was better the second time around, or the Hurts wasn't completely healthy, and certainly the Eagles weren't uh, putting their A game out there because they had pretty much locked everything up. But what does the defensive game plan look like? I think that's a fascinating question. I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming they'll watch some of what Washington did uh, in, in the win, but part of that was getting turnovers and things like that. So do they, do they go with a little riskier in certain situations, try to force Jalen into some throws or some situations that, that are uh, higher risk? And then can you make plays? Because that's the other thing is the Eagles – wide receivers just make plays on you like and for all there are certain positions where I think we underrate the Giants talent where I go maybe Isaiah Hodgins is just good maybe the story is great but at this point like how many games in a row does he have to be awesome before we just go hey that dude's a good football player yeah that was for some reason on a practice squad and that reason is probably because Buffalo is stacked at receiver (laughs) um and that might have more to do with it than than anything else um but corner is definitely a position where there are some real questions for New York and Philly's receivers are the type to take advantage of that. So I right. do think that's something that might be a a hurdle that that New York can't overcome if Philly chooses to really get aggressive, uh, especially if they get one on one matchups. Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's probably the biggest deficiency. And I also think it's one of the reasons Wink has been so hyper. I mean, he's hyper aggressive anyway, but even more to type this year is to kind of insulate that back end and and play into some of that variance you're wanting. Because when you blitz, you increase the pressure. Quarterbacks make bad throws. Um, receivers run bad routes. There's miscommunications. There's also the propensity to get big plays in that situation. But they seem to have that in the nice in, in their wheelhouse. And if you look again, in the first Eagles matchup, which is really the only Eagles matchup they had, is they got away from the blitz stuff early because game plan was so crazy. So if they can keep this tight and they can keep them in the clench and, and keep it kind of messy, the Giants could win this football game, especially if Daniel Jones plays as well as he did against Minnesota. Now, those are all big ifs. Those, again, if I'm betting, it's definitely the Eagles. Um, and this doesn't feel quite as close as the Jacksonville game to me because I don't think the quarterback – is as talented for the Giants. I think he's good. I don't think he's quite as good as uh, Trevor Lawrence. Sunday games, 3 o'clock kick on CBS. Bengals and Bills, obviously the last time these two teams played was the Monday Nighter where DeMar Hamlin collapsed. So we uh, we see a rematch here. This game is in Buffalo. Uh, obviously, had that game happened, this could have been a different situation. There's a lot of folks that are clamoring that this game should have been neutral site. It is what it is. They canceled the game. It didn't happen. Thus, the two teams that that played finished with different records, and uh, the Bills get to host it at home. As for how they match up on the field, Bengals Bengals are one of the hottest teams in football. Like if it wasn't for the 49ers, they would be the hottest team in football. And uh, I know I know you're a huge basketball guy, Logan. Uh, just an enormous NBA fan. But to me, the Bills have a lot of Golden State Warriors in them. Where it's like, as long as they don't beat themselves, they're so spectacular. Right. They're so talented. And as long as they don't beat themselves, there isn't really anybody that can play with them. The problem is they have a propensity for turning the football over and beating themselves. And that's exactly how Miami got back in the game last week. So to me, this game comes down to 
like, yeah, Cincinnati is one of the few teams that can hang with Buffalo, but can Buffalo play a clean game? If so, they win. If not, I think Cincinnati pulls off the upset. I totally agree. I think, uh, you know, Josh Allen has been a little bit more Josh Allen-y than even normal, which means he leads the NFL in big-time throws, but he's also, like, stacking up turnover-worthy plays. So he is he does magical stuff. He also does insane stuff. If he can kind of bring in the insane stuff a little bit, lean into those big-time throws in specific situations, again, like, he – you said Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football, and I don't disagree with that. But in terms of the most dominant player in football, when everything is going good for him, there's nobody close. To, he can run the football. He can throw. He can stiff-arm defensive tackles. He can touch anywhere on the field with the football. Maybe the strongest arm in the game. So very, very skilled. That roster is very deep. Obviously, they're missing some pass rushers, which would have been huge in this situation. Von Miller being hurt, big deal for games like this. But, yeah, I think I – think the Bills are the better roster, but I do think I do think Joe Burrow deserves to get some flowers. I think he's probably a top five quarterback at the moment. They've got no excellent skill position players: Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Boyd. I mean, that's it's hard to think of a, a more dynamic three. Uh, Hurst, 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 uh, yeah. the tight end, um, Hayden Hurst. Yeah, Hayden Hurst is a fantastic kind of fourth option for them. Uh, Mixon is a very good runner. Their old line is really, really, really banged up at the moment. I think they're on their third left tackle, which is not where you want to be going into this game. So how do they manage that? And I think that might be the deciding factor, just the health of the old line because the Bills, while they are banged up on the D-line, are very talented kind of across the board. So I think that's probably the difference in the game in addition to the turnover thing that you mentioned. Yeah, if Cincinnati can get a run game going and keep the Bills a little bit off balance, that would go a long way. But I do agree with you. I think Cincinnati is the only team in the league that has a legitimate uh, a legitimate hold on number one receiving trio over Washington. Right. Um, you know, if you go one through three, uh, then of course the difference is they have Joe Burrow and the Commanders do not. Um, but one through three, they they are the only team that can really compete talent wise with uh, McLaren. Samuel Dotson uh, and their three guys might actually be better. Um, but the funny thing is Buffalo might be right there. Like their, yeah. their top two of Diggs and Davis are incredible. Um, and Knox then when you add in, good. yeah, you add in the full complement of weapons because they really do go, it feels like one through infinity at receiver. Yeah. It's just every dude they put out there. You're like, who's that guy? Oh, he's <laughs> awesome. Who's that? Yeah. Oh, Cole Beasley's back for the seventh time. He's still catching <laughs> balls. Um, so, and, and part of that obviously is Josh Allen. Uh, is as you said, as good as it gets Dealing. in the NFL, especially when he gets going. And then finally, Cowboys and Niners, San Francisco, just four point favorites. I say just because they've been favored by double digits. It feels like for two months straight in every game they play, um, they they put up a monster number against Seattle. And I think the heart. I, I love what Debo Samuel said after this game uh, to Pam Oliver on Fox, and, he's, and she asked him, you know, hey, they were keeping it close in the first half. Did you? you know, did you, were you nervous? And he's like, not really, because we are so physical that we know we wear teams down. And that to me is the question in this game is like, Michael Parsons is great. Can he withhold the beating that it takes when you're matching up with that San Francisco O-line? Can the Cowboys O-line, which is also banged up and had to make some changes during the game uh, the other day when Jason uh -oh. Peters went down, like, can they stand up to that, that 49ers defensive line and the sheer physicality that they play with? 
obviously there's a lot of X's and O's and schematics and, you know, guys running all over the place, uh, all of the different personnel formations and all the different ways they, they use the same personnel that make it incredibly difficult. This is the, the hardest offense to play in the league, but it's also because they beat the living hell out of you snap mm-hmm. in snap out. And that's the thing where I don't know if Dallas quite has the depth to withstand that. And, and are they ready for that kind of physical game? Uh, when they're a team that has a ton of speed, like can that speed hold up over four quarters? Yeah, I agree. And I think to me, the defense for the 49ers is the story because I, I don't know. And it might've just been because I saw Dak Prescott look terrible against the commanders in, you know, week 18, but uh, you know, can Dak put up, put up a good sheet against this defense? And I don't know because like, much like the commanders, as much as Dak and CD lamb and these players get the headlines, they want to run the football, and the 49ers have been excellent this year about basically saying, "No, you will not do that." So, how do you get to the passing game? How do you, um, how do you play in those situations? So, to me, that is that that's the storyline: is the 49ers defense versus Dak Prescott? Because I don't know if Dak can hang, and if Dak can't hang, then Scott's then Kyle's going to scheme up this Dan Quinn defense. And this is this is a kind of a sneaky storyline: Dan Quinn and him work together in Atlanta, and so Dan knows Kyle very very well and has historically put out good performances against him because of that familiarity it's been a couple years does that familiarity hold up dallas does a good job of disguising stuff they bring a ton of pressure they're going to put a lot of they're going to turn the screws to brock purdy kyle because of the defense can be really patient they can punt they can trust the defense to put them in good spots so i think that i think that's the biggest variable because it dictates game flow in a way that really favors san francisco um, if the defense comes out and plays well. And it doesn't even matter if Dan comes out and calls a perfect game, Dan Quinn I'm talking about now, uh, because Kyle knows he can just be as patient as can be if Dallas can't do anything offensively. The other thing that I think is interesting matchup-wise is San Francisco is one of the few teams that doesn't have the fear of God put in them by Michael Parsons if he's matched up one-on-one yeah. with their tackles. like if It's like Parsons on Trent Williams. Okay, if we yeah. got to. Like yeah. uh, McGlinchey on the other side, one of the best right tackles in the league. Like it's not ideal. Michael Parsons versus anyone is an advantage to Michael Parsons, right. maybe except for Trent Williams. Yeah, uh, I think and, Trent's probably the, yep. Yeah. And so McGlinchey on the other side too, like, okay, yeah, we'll chip there. Not a big deal. Or we'll, we'll get a little guard help, but we know that we have someone on the other side who can handle it. Um, we don't need to, you know, help Trent out against anyone and the rest of their offensive line is very good as well. Obviously they can, when Parsons is off the ball, uh, or anybody, you know, Vander Esch, all those guys, they get put into conflict all the time because use is here and Kittle's there. Then McCaffrey's here and Debo's there. Like it's wild how, how much they use those guys. And a guy like Parsons is a great weapon to have against that because he has so much speed. But if Dallas decides to use him in coverage a ton, that means he's not pressuring. So it is a it is a real challenge to for Quinn, and he knows his personnel. That's why he's paid a bunch of money, and he's one of the best at it to figure out how he wants to deploy what he's got defensively. Um, again, and maybe they're better suited to do it than than a lot of other teams because they have so much speed. But that's why I go back to the the physicality. Like, if you can keep up, can you keep up? Not just for a half, not even for three quarters. Can you keep up for 60 minutes? Or eventually, are they going to hit some of those big plays on you? Is McCaffrey going to spring one? Is Debo going to spring one? Is Ayuk going to all of a sudden be wide open 40 yards down the field? Because that seemingly happens every game. And then obviously, as you said, is Dak keeping up on the other side? When he's been at quarterback, this stat flashed in week 18, I think, uh, on the telecast that was incredible. Since 2020, 
when Dak is at quarterback for the Cowboys, they have the highest scoring offense in the league. Whoa. 32, 32 points a game. Higher than Mahomes, higher than Allen, with like a, a minimum number of attempts or what it is. Because I'm pr- actually pretty sure Brock Purdy would probably beat that number uh, with the eight-week stretch that he's had. But for guys that have been long-term starters, he can operate a really effective offense. Question is, will he? Because we also know he's had some real stinkers in there as well. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's a really interesting statistic. I had no idea that was the case because you're right. It kind of goes against your you know observations of the of them and how well, especially how if you saw them play the Commanders. Right. So yeah, I mean, that, I I think this is a very compelling game, especially given the was that last year that they uh, they almost had interception, they lost. Right? Was that this game? Uh, I can't remember. Tarkovsky Tart dropped the interception that would have taken them to the Super Bowl or whatever to the to the divisional round. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, big deal. And obviously, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think Dak's going to show out in in a way that is is viable against this defense. As much as I think he's got the ability, he's very talented, and and Kellen Moore is an excellent offensive coordinator. I just think they're going to get hit in the teeth, and it's going to be a long day for them. All right, that's our playoff preview and our big old nerd session on offense. Uh, We will have more coming in the next couple of weeks. We'll start to get into some of the prospects that the commanders can be looking at in the draft at some of the the big positions of need. Uh, Sam Fortier is going to come on the pod from the Washington Post. Looking forward to that. Um, Eric Edholm from NFL Media, who's their draft guru, is going to come on in the next couple of weeks as well. So we got a bunch of good stuff planned here on the podcast. Probably do for a mailbag episode. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously when uh, the commanders hire a new offensive coordinator, we'll do a deeper dive on that person's tape as well. So that's all still to come, which means you should probably subscribe, whether you're watching us on 106.7 The Fans YouTube page or listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, or wherever else you may be listening. I know Ben Standig listens on uh, on Google Play because he's he's a Google phone person. He told me that the other day. Uh, so if you're, if you're like Ben and you want to listen on Google Play, we won't hold it against you. Uh, for Logan, who you can follow on Instagram, at Logan underscore Paulson82, I am Craig Hoffman, and we'll see you next Tuesday on Take Command.